Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulted Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulted Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Now look, if you've been following the show uh, for the past year and a half or so, you realize we've passed 100 episodes, had tons of guests. But fun fact, our very first guest on the show is back on the show. She's Team USA Olympic silver medalist Lauren Gibbs. I will put the show link to her first episode down in the show notes below. But bottom line, Lauren's a bona fide badass. If you've followed that journey, she went, she won a silver medal. She's continued to work on her public speaking career. Her TED Talk uh, has amassed a significant amount of views from the last time we talked. I have all those in the links. But the cool thing, Lauren is now almost, I'm going to say back to her roots. If you recall the first episode, we talked a little bit about Lauren and her time as a uh, area uh, manager or, or regional manager at um, a B2B uh, alarm company, totally running blanks in here, Lauren, but she has moved on. She is now the director of external sales at Parity and Evolution of Sports. And we'll give her a little time to talk about that. She's completely has run with her public speaking career where she is giving uh, thought leadership and motivating to sales force and business owners all around the world. Lauren, welcome back to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Thanks for having me. This is uh, <laughs> it's always an honor to chat with you, Anthony. I mean, let's be honest, man. I'm excited to have you myself, 100%. Uh, you, know, you and I, Lauren, talk all the time, but to get the time on the calendar to to get this podcast recorded, I mean, it just goes to show you're a busy person. I'm a busy person, so thank you for yeah. taking the time. So why don't we – you let's let's start with the fun stuff that everybody wants to know because everybody, you know, and, and you hear it all the time, and anytime someone's like, oh, you're friends with Lauren, they want to know, like – like, like I have the inside knowledge to your training program. Like I'm calling you every morning and saying, how many, what's your workout look like this morning? Like, I, I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that shit, man. <laughs> so bring us up to speed. What's going on with, with your, your Olympic team, your, your journeys for bobsled. I know you were last time we had talked, you know, it was, it was just, you know, getting going on the, the Olympic journey. Right. And if I recall, I think you had just won the, the silver medal. Uh, now it's, round two, Beijing 2022, uh, bring us up to speed. Yeah. So, uh, uh, let's see. COVID has been interesting, right. For sports. So we did, we did travel and were able to compete in 2020, which was a little weird. We were probably the only like sports teams were the only teams traveling. So that was interesting. Um, you know, I'm at the end of my career, like you mentioned, and last time we talked, I was kind of like in the middle of it, in the thick of it. So training looks a lot different. I'm 37 years old. I have a torn hip labrum in my right. That one's been diagnosed. The left one's probably torn too. And so it's definitely been a bit of an adjustment. It's just, you know, you have to, you know, when you're faced with adversity or, or things have to change. So it's, it's interesting um, to see how it's all going to pan out. Right. Because I felt like I was in control of my training and my body and, you know, how I spent my time. And now 
you know, I've bought a house, you know, I'm, I'm working full time, still have my own business on the side and I'm training. And so it's just a different, it's a different life that I'm living now. You know, one kudos to you for, for going through all that perseverance. I mean, that's that alone. I mean, you're juggling multiple things and, and don't, don't, let's not, let's not like discredit yourself. You're the things you're juggling, you're juggling at world-class levels. It's not like you're saying, Hey, I, 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 I'm driving for Uber. I'm working a retail job in the evenings. And I go to the gym. Like, no, like you are like top tier in what you do. You're a director of sales. We're going to talk about your company job. Your speaking company, your consulting company's blowing up. And then you're, you're, Look, let's be honest. You're training amongst the world's greatest athletes, and you're in not amongst all you training. You are considered one of the world's greatest <laughs> athletes in your sport. So don't discredit yourself. Like, I oh, just kind of balancing act things are a little different. And even if you're at the end of your career, which quote unquote, I don't want to say that you're at the end of your career. Let's speak. Let's speak positivity here. You know, you're 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 on what you would say is your last Olympic run. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, it's been an incredible ride. It's just all even all good things have to come to an end and i'm just ready to be excellent at other stuff now that's all nice <laughs> also, it's not a... i've considered driving for uber like because I, I love a good side hustle like i do i love a good side hustle no lie i love a good side hustle too this morning last night someone introduced me to the website what was it uh oh my goodness uh storage treasures.com which i have zero affiliation with by the way but it's completely online auctions for storage bins and me i'm like i don't have the time to drive around and look at storage bins but online yeah. oh yeah dude, i can totally look at pictures and you know right? you're finding i mean i found a bose stereo this morning it was like ten dollars i'm like man i could flip that thing make like a hundred bucks on it then i was like anthony one you have to pack it you're too here to ship it if you bring home any of these little side hustles your wife might kill you because i i've I, you know, there's nothing wrong with side hustles 100 percent no. i'm you and I think the same, Lauren. I look at everything every day as to, man, how do I make money off this? How can I monetize mm -hmm. it? Like there's there's yeah. very few things I look at or interact with. It. Even when things go bad in my life, I'm like, ooh, there's a way to monetize this. Like it's right? never ending. So, all right. So you're 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 running your last. Let's let's say your last one. What's different? I mean, other cases, so there's the physical injury, right? Yep. Which we get, which we get. There's age which is what we get as well so the physical injury and age that's visible but what's different training this time around last time around mentally internally the things that people don't see help us out with yeah. that one. um you know i think it's it's one thing to be trying to reach a certain level of greatness and as we all know there's a whole different uh mentality behind maintaining that level of greatness because you have to remember, you go from competing in the biggest competition that you'll ever compete with, compete in in your entire life, the Olympics. And then you go back to, you know, the everyday type competitions, which are World Cups. And they're still very important. You know, you're still competing against the same people. But the, you know, the the fanfare around it is different. You know, the uh, the reward is different. Um, the reaction to winning is different. And so it's hard to go from the highest level of competition back to everyday life. You know, even if that's, even if that's uh, something that you love to do. And that's, that's a conversation that is all Olympians and Paralympians kind of go through. They call it the, you know, the uh, Olympic blues. It's just weird to go back to quote unquote normal life. And so the motivation is different. You know, before it was like, I have to reach this goal. I have to become an Olympian. And now I am one. And the thing with Olympians, it's 
never past, never former, once an Olympian, always Olympian. So whether I go to the next Olympics or not, technically my status doesn't change. I have the opportunity to win another medal and hopefully gold. But, you know, you have to find different reasons for wanting to continue. And um, for me, it's just, I just want to see how good I could be. And whether that means I go back to the Olympics or not, like I want every little bit of my technique to look perfect. I want to be so consistent. I want to uh, just, you know, it, I want it to the muscle memory. I want to feel like any day I can, I can, I can step on that line and, and be excellent, you know? And so for me, it's, it's chasing something that isn't really going to change anything externally, but it's, this is just for me, right? It's, I'm doing this for me. And, um, wanting to be able to say at the end of my career that I gave it everything I had. And when I had the opportunity, I took it and I, I did the best I could with that opportunity because that's really it, right? People talk about, you know, what, what it means to be successful. It's identifying opportunities and then running with them and then doing your best to, uh, you know, make the best out of that opportunity. So I, I'm not really answering specifics on like what my training looks like. If that's what you want to know, I can talk about that. But I feel like that's kind of boring. No, mindset-wise. No, I think the mindset-wise you're going on is is really is kind of the direction. I mean, you you mentioned things that you're pushing for. You mentioned that you want to give it your all. How many times? Let's be honest. You're we're no no BS, Lauren. How many times do you want to quit? Every day. Every day. Every single if, day. Why don't you quit? And who do you talk to to not quit? I mean, because what you're sharing right now is as you as you share that, and, and I do want to talk about the Olympic Blues because I think there's a lot that goes with that in business. But what you're sharing right now in that aspect of of perseverance and working, we we as sales professionals deal with that all the time. I mean, there's not a day when you. I'm glad you said you want to quit daily because if you, I, I would like to, there's not a week that goes by where I'm like. F this, I quit, I'm not dealing with this, I'm not dealing with the BS, I'm not dealing with the quotas, I'm not dealing with people. So all these things come to mind. For you to say daily, how do you how do you persevere? And and fun fact, we're talking about two completely different things, but that mental impact is still there. So how do you get over that? Um, I you know, I I, I tell myself if you're gonna quit, quit at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, do the work that day. And then if you still want to quit at the end of the day. <laughs> You can quit. Fair enough. I, mean, I, I think I think that's awesome. <laughs> like you wake up, you might as well finish the day. Very true. Right, Very- and that that is the same same with sales. Like if you're gonna go out, go out with one good last workout, or go out with one good last sale. Very and then, true. And then and then quit. Or but then it's also like once you leave, it's a lot harder to come back. And I know if I wanted to walk out that door right now, I could. So I have the power to leave whenever I want. No one is keeping me here, right? No one is is forcing you to do your job. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it at the best of my ability. And I'm going to put in the work because what's the point of showing up if you don't show up with all that you have? Why go through the motions? Give it exceptional effort because then if I give it exceptional effort, I'm going to gain something out of it. I grow from it. And that's stuff that I can use for the rest of my life to go be excellent in something else. And so if you're going to do it, do it at your, at your very best on that day. And I think 
that's what it is, right? I think people want to quit and I want to quit sometimes because I think about how big my effing dream is. Like my dream is massive at 37 years old. I am trying to win a gold medal in the Olympic games in the middle of a global pandemic, you know, countries are fighting with each other. Uh, my hip is torn. I'm older. I'm competing against like 22 year olds and I'm trying to prove I can be the best in the world. That's big. Right. And so that kind of the magnitude of what you're trying to do sometimes when you feel so far behind is overwhelming. And I think that's like the fear of failure. I think at the end of the day is what makes me want to quit. Cause I'm like, what do I have to, I don't have a ton to gain, but I have a lot to potentially a lot to lose. Right. It's ego. And so, but if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be my best. I'm going to work my butt off. And then if at the end of the day, I still don't want to do it, then I'll walk away. But if you're going to wake up, you might as well go for it, you know? Well, you know, as you're you're doing that, one of the things that comes to mind is, is it's habitual, right? It's it's habit forming. Every day, it's okay. It is okay to have that negative thought. And you're saying you want to quit every day. There's times in business where I've been like, F this. I, 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 you know, you and I, we've talked, I, I've talked about on the show. I'm coaching. Yeah. I'm not, I don't say I'm coaching Isabella. Cause I can't teach her no more. Isabella is a black belt with her, with her journeys to make junior Olympics and Olympics. I mean, she is like these massive goals. And I tell her all the time, you know, it's okay to be afraid of your opponents. It's okay to be afraid that you're not allowed to, to respond to it. But all of this stuff is habit forming. And one thing that, that I think is the opposite of what you're saying is if you do quit, on something without giving it your all that is also habit forming and if you quit on one thing you'll quit on another thing and you'll continue to quit and you'll quit when when the stakes are the highest you'll quit when it has an impact to your family so uh you'll you'll quit everything like anytime something doesn't go your way you'll find a reason to quit so it yeah i think i think the the takeaway there lauren is is it's okay to say i want to quit it's just get up and do it. And if you want to quit, quit at the end of the day, which for most people are like, fuck, I did all this work, man, I'm not going to quit now. Michael Jordan, this thing, the last dance, I'm going out my sixth ring, like type yeah. deal. So, and I think that kind of mentality that you're describing is, yeah. And this is so cliche. It's not a growth. It's, it's a, the opposite of a growth mindset because everything I do for me now is more about what I can learn and who I can become instead of the end result. Right. Cause you have to remember, I lost at the Olympics. I Ooh. lost at the Olympics. I did not win. Now I won a silver medal, but I did not win the Olympics, but I won the damn Olympics. I had a damn, I had a blast, but you know what I'm saying? So it can't all be about winning and losing and results. It has to be about the journey and who you become along the way. And for me, it's like, it's six months. The Olympics is six months away. So you're telling me you can't stick it out for six months for the possibility of greatness? Then you got some work to do on yourself. Like, it's six months. Everybody wants everything right now. You know, I I bought a house that I've never seen before. I want to see that house right now. I can't because I need to do what I'm doing right now. I need to focus on what I'm doing now because the focus that I've had for the past eight years allowed me to buy a house in the middle of a global pandemic, right? You can have the things that you want, but you have to work for them. Uh, I love Eric Thomas. He's the um, he's a he's a preacher, and he and he gives motivational talks. 
And one of the, one of his lines is go through it. I, if you're, if just go through it, like why quit, why quit when you're in pain? Like keep going to the other side to see what's on the other side, like get through it. So it's, you know, it's, it's, you have to like, now if you're in a dangerous situation, obviously leave that, but like, you really have to, you have to separate feelings from fact, you know? Mm. And, and the fact is, you know, you may not win, but you can learn a lot. And the feeling is I don't, I have an ego and I don't have to do this shit no more. You know what I mean? So, you know, to hear you say that, I mean, you've, you're being modest, you've experienced a significant amount of success in your life, both as from a student athlete in corporate America to professional athlete, Olympian. I mean, you've, you've experienced tons of success. As you grow in that experience of that success, I, I see there's more people that have that that ego where it's like, I've done this. I don't need to do this anymore. It's like the equivalent to the sales rep that's been a tenured rep killing it, doing well. Like, I, I dude, I don't have to forecast anymore. I, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to cold call anymore. I, I don't have to prospect anymore. Like the moment that sense of entitlement comes in, I just think you're, might, you're just jumping off a cliff. But both professionally and personally, financially, it's just it 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 demoralizes and, and kills people. But there's that opposite impact. You called it earlier and wrote it down here. You, uh, the Olympic blues, highest level of competition, back to reality, back to normal life, back to starting all over. When you say that, now this is going to sound completely crazy that I'm comparing the two, but because you've been in both situations, I think you'd understand it. it to me, that's the equivalent to, I see sales professionals and business professionals get amongst their peers and they win their annual sales conscious and they have the awards night and they're like celebrating. They're like, Oh, I'm back. And then this, this high and mighty feeling. And then they come back, they realize they have to start all over. You did that at the grandest scales. So when you take that step back and you've reached a, a pinnacle of success and you come back to everyday life, what would you tell the next person, the next Olympian, the next professional. So someone who has that emotional high, whether it's the first time they've earned 400 grand in a year, whether it's the first time they've won a silver or gold medal, and then boom, you're back to normal life. Yeah. They're, they're struggling to find their identity. They're struggling to get focused, struggling to focus on their goals. What do you tell that person? I think it's a few things. I think it's, it's time to be reflective, right? You need to sit down and think about the things that, you know, you enjoy in the everyday little things that you do and then the things that you don't enjoy. And then you figure out what of those things were integral in your success. Cause at the end of the day, those little things add up to big things. And then where I think it's where it's a little different for Olympians than it is for sales. Cause I, I do think it is similar, right? Because you go to a, the end of the year, you work your butt off, you meet your goal, you go on the company trip, you drink with all your buddies, you celebrate, you, you know, you spend too much money in the hotel mini bar cause you're balling. And then you come back and you're like, man, I want to, I want to, I want to live that experience again. But then you're all, the first thing you do is you remember all the work that you had to do to get there. Um, and that's scary because it probably took a piece of your soul, right? <laughs> like it took a piece of your soul. And so you just have to, you have to step back and just look at the little things that you can do to get you there. Because I think when it starts to be difficult is when you think you're better than you are and you stop doing those little things and then you make it difficult for yourself. And so 
that saying is, uh, you know, what is it like? I, I've forgotten more than I've learned than I remember or something like that, where you just forget to do all the little things. And it's the same thing as, as an athlete. No, you can't, you can't skip steps, right? So you have to, you have to come back to earth, reset your goals and decide if this is something that you really want. And if it is, then you have to do all the little things to get you there. And if you don't, then you need to figure out what you are willing to do and then level set your expectations. Uh, you know, that, that self-reflection, as you kind of summarize, I mean, it's not everyone does that. Everyone's, you know, you, you get to a certain level of success and you forgot what you did. But to hear you say to do that after you've reached the pinnacle of success in whatever industry you're in, it really is saying there is more. It's almost like the, the person that that wants to uh, succeed or the person that gets is, is to me, this is simple. You make a $20,000 commission check. You get it on Friday. If you spend it all the very next weekend, you you have nothing in your pipeline. You're not level setting. You're not self-reflecting financially. You're right. doing that same concept with your goals, direction, vision in life, all when you reach different pinnacles of success. And, and I'm sorry if I offended any Olympian athlete by saying a salesperson gets to that level, but the mental thing is still, it, 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 it happens. And this can be from your business. It could be from your social environment. I mean, how it could be from how many likes you get on a YouTube video. Like people have this, this euphoria that they feel after reaching a pinnacle or a high. And then when that, that's gone, they, time to get back to yeah. reality and self-reflect and grow so let, let's let, let's change gears here a little bit lauren so uh, you know we here we completely wish you well wishes in in your your journey for 2022 beijing olympic gold if you're there uh the catapult commission's team which will be me and myself probably my eye will be there with you but we will be there cheering you on and supporting you on um if my better half can make it we you know she'll be there with us but uh, you know, and then that's all COVID and all that other fun stuff. But let's talk something different. You are currently the director of sa- of external sales at Parity. I'll bring us up to speed. What's Parity? So Parity is an online platform for professional women athletes, and our mission um, is to improve the lives of athletes and their fans through knowledge and technology, and to close the pay gap in professional sports sponsorship. Uh, currently. I don't know the statistics for 2021, but in 2020, statistic came out that $66 billion is spent annually on global sponsorship, and women capture about 0.4% of that. Um, In 2020, Forbes released a list of the top 100 paid professional athletes, and there are only two women on that list. Uh, Naomi Osaka was number 29, and Serena Williams was number 33. And no offense to the rest of the athletes on that list. If you can make money as a professional athlete, do it. Um, but there are some athletes on there that I have achieved more than. Really? They're, they're, coming, they're coming right out of college, and they're just getting these massive endorsement deals. And none of them have ever been the best in the world at their sport. Well, not none of them. Some of them have never been the best in the world at their sport. But I also, I also like struggle with the whole calling people world champion sh- champions when it's a national championship, like uh, mm. that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's a, that's another conversation. That doesn't vibe with me. Like, I, so. I, think, I think the same thing all the time. We call it the world series of baseball. And I'm like, not really, man. This, this is the U S series of baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 
I've seen us in the Olympics and I've seen, so, Hey, sometimes <laughs> we're not the best team guys. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I struggle with that too. When we call world championships, when I'm like, yeah. no, no guys, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a whole world out there. All right. So, yeah. so you're, you're the director of external sales. So are you like, what exactly is that role? Are you recruiting athletes? Are you talking to sponsors? I mean, where, where, yeah. where do you fit in this picture? So my, my role actually started as the director of internal sales and marketing, and that, that revolved around recruiting athletes, onboarding athletes, um, creating content, educational content, helping to create uh, educational content for the athletes. Um, and then the founders obviously knew that I had a sales background, and I was like, I don't know if I ever want to do sales again, but I knew I was, I'd probably end up there uh, because our, 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 our company is growing so quickly. So Parity started recruiting athletes in June of 2020. We now have 625 pro women athletes on our platform that span 40 different sports. We have, I think, 160 Olympians and Paralympians, 60 plus mothers. Um, you know, they we've they've self-selected into 20 plus causes that they care about. And then we started um, started, you know, offering the opportunity to partner with brands probably in like January of 2021. And we've had, we've seen some incredible growth just in the last like 10 months. Um, so we're crushing it. And then just like, as a startup, you know, there's, everybody's got to do a little bit of everything. And so I've always said that if you need me to do something, I'll do it um, for the good of the business. And so now I'm in sales. So my role now is I um, basically do presentations for brands to try and sell them packages so that we can pay pro women athletes. And so I help match brands with a group of athletes of a group of women athletes, um, to activate around social media campaigns, um, to pay women and to promote and amplify brands that, you know, are doing some good crap in the world and good shit in the world. Awesome. I mean, yeah. two things we can go, we could totally go down the startup route, but I, I we can, save that for episode three and hundred more episodes from now because being in that startup route is you you are a jack of all trades and the yeah. the the growth that i love when i get an employee from a startup because they've done everything and so when you're like hey this is your only job they're like oh i'm gonna excel at this i don't i don't have to do all this other stuff but there's right. something to be said for someone always volunteering and saying hey i'll do this i'll do this i'll help grow um but your, your current role, quote unquote, your sale is you're selling companies to say, hey, I'm going to partner with Parity. I'm going to partner with with this mission. I'm going to partner with this movement. Yeah. When you're making this presentation, how many decision makers are you trying to influence? You know, it really depends on the it depends on the meeting. Like if if the brand is super excited, they'll they'll invite all the people that all the powers that be. And if they're not or it just doesn't fit with people's schedule. They'll send like their social media manager who then has to get approval. And so generally there's a social media manager, there's a head of marketing, there's a CFO. There's a lot of people, um, you know, business development. There's a lot of people that end up being involved. And it also depends on the size of the company, right? We have Microsoft, which is our national technology partner. They're incredible partners, but obviously they're very big, right? We've done, you know, we have DNA vibe who is our, our, um, our national partner for light therapy, um, recovery therapy for athletes and non-athletes. I think everybody's an athlete. Um, so they're kind of like a small to medium sized company. So it's a little bit, you know, the, the sales cycle is a little bit shorter because you can get to the decision makers faster. There's less people 
that have to make the decision in order to move forward. And so it just depends on the brand. It depends on the size of the brand. It depends on the, you know, the, the size of the proposal. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Okay. Uh, which I think goes, you know, every, every salesperson would say, hey, you know, the amount of people I work, especially like an enterprise or complex B2B sale, there's more people mm-hmm. involved in this process. Yeah. So in in, in your your sales process, quote unquote, when you're creating this sales pitch, is this a one call close? Is this multiple presentations? It's usually multiple presentations. Yeah. Okay. It's usually follow-ups and then proposals are sent out and then refining the details of the proposal and then getting the the approval on the money, right? The money side. And then there's a close. And then after the close, there's a handoff to, um, to our content team that, you know, is incredible and creates all the briefs and basically activates the camp, uh, the campaigns. So in this process, how do you ensure that the person you're speaking to is going to be your advocate in the next step of the sales process? Yeah, that's a good one. I think, um, so for me, it's, it's, it's different, right? Like I am, I am selling something that is easy to get excited about one, right? So it's, well, for some people, mm-hmm. some people believe that women's sports aren't as exciting or women athletes aren't as accomplished. I welcome them to compete in with me against anything, um, yeah. So come at me, bro. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's one, it's, it's doing a, a ton of research on who you're going to be speaking to and match them where they are. That's a big thing for me. Like I, I am very energetic, but you want to match the energy of the people that you're talking to. I think it's super important to allow your customer to talk. Because I think as salespeople, the, the biggest mistake you can make is be so excited about the opportunity and the product you have to sell and knowing it's a perfect fit that you just railroad whoever you're talking to with information and they never feel that like they have the opportunity to ask questions. Because if they have questions that you haven't answered at the end of your conversation, it makes it really hard for them to go confidently to the next phase and say, hey... I have a full understanding of what I'm trying to get you to sign off on. And so you try and give them all the tools. I always send over a copy of the information that we went over. And then I also offer like, Hey, I don't want you to have to do this for me. So if you think this is a great fit and if the the people who make the decisions um, are open and willing, I'd be more than happy to represent this to them or all of us get on a call and and chat about this. Or if you're going to bring it up in your next team meeting, you know, invite me for the first five or 10 minutes to be able to ask questions. Cause like everything I'm doing is done virtually. So mm. I'm, I'm in upstate New York and like class at the Olympic training center and people are all over the country. And so it's not, like you can show up at their business. Right. So I have to do a really darn good job of getting people excited 
getting them to trust that, you know, Parity is the company to help them execute some of their marketing goals, but also give them an opportunity to support women. Um, and that it's, it's worth the money and it's worth them putting their time and energy to convince someone else to it. I don't know if I answered your question. But. No, you, you totally answered the question. I mean, I think you, you, you know, in the, in the simplest world of sales, you're saying, okay, I'm going to ensure you're not left with any doubt. You're going to be my biggest advocate when I leave. And is yep. there anything preventing from you from going to the person next saying, we need to meet with Lauren, we need to meet with Parody, right. which, yeah. which is really, you know, people think about this and I'm not, I won't ask you to name drop brands or people that you've worked with because I know that they get bigger and bigger in athletes. But the fun fact is the process remains the same, whether it's the mom and pop business or whether it's, hey, I'm, I'm trying to, to crack the newest, biggest tech com or a Fortune 500 company to, to endorse a female athlete. That sales process is the same. It is us, <laughs> the sales professionals, that put pressure. Like, oh my God, this is the biggest deal. This is my whale right. deal, and we come and we do something different. Where it's just really the basic, the fundamentals of blocking and tackling in your sales process. So, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and like to that point, every customer is important, right? Whether they're a mom and pop, Ooh. you should you should have the same level of energy and preparation for every appointment, right? I think I was told like either. And this goes for like sales meetings, right? Either you need the meeting or the meeting needs you. But at the end of the day, you always show up prepared and doing your best. Like you don't, you should never waver. Like whether you think the company is a perfect fit or you think they're likely to just dismiss you, you come in with the same level of preparation every single time. Because you just never know, one, who's going to say yes and who has the money, right? Because people can you know, we learned this back in Cutco, like you never, you never show up to a house and judge how much money you think they're going to spend because you just never know what people value, but also you never know who can introduce you to somebody else. And if you treat someone like a jerk, because you don't think they can do anything for you, which like check yourself if that you're, you're that person, um, you know, they may know the head of some, some company that is, is a perfect fit for you, but because you treated them like crap, they're like, I'm not going to introduce you to anybody. So, yeah. Uh, that, that is that is true in all aspects. I, I love that. You know, I, I think about it myself, too, is do I treat every person I interact with the same, you know, based on the opportunity and the opportunity cost? So uh, that is a good check your ego at the door. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you can hear countless stories of presenting to somebody or some small company and not knowing who they are, or where they are and, and finding a golden opportunity on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, to me, that's, that's just, that's just, you know, the universe saying, Hey, keep doing the right thing. No matter who's watching, no matter it's, it's almost the equivalent. Like, would you do the nice thing? If, you know, I love people who do like pay it forward, buy the coffee behind you, but would you do it if you didn't promote it on social media? It's like always how I look at it. Right. Just, just do it to get it done. So and it's, uh, it's what you do when no one's watching that defines your character. And it's the same thing I was talking about in the athletic space. Like I wake up every morning. I don't want to do this anymore, but I give my all because you just don't know. Like, I don't want to get to the end of my career and wish I'd worked harder. Right. Or wish I'd been nicer or wish I had taken more time for people. Like, don't, don't be a dick. Yeah. Fair enough. Lauren, I will tell you this, you're going through this, I think parody is very lucky to have you there. You're, you're, you're a such like what you bring to the table is so insightful, so impactful. I'd love to talk with you about the next subject at hand. You're motivating, inspiring 
on your own. You've built a speaking career where you're, you're spending time talking with companies, talking with organizations. So there's two two part question here. Sorry, as my puppies come to make tons of noise. Catapult Commission's family, we do, we do record the show live. And uh, I have two dogs. I have a multi-pool and an English bulldog. So they are, Hello. yeah, they're, they're going bananas over here. Anyhow, so let's talk about your speaking career. Lauren, one of the things that you've built on, and if we're going in a different direction, is the speaking career. Your speaking career, uh, you're, you're naturally motivating, you're naturally inspiring. So it's a two-part question. Building a speaking career. One, how did you do it? Like, like how did you monetize that component of speaking? And two, when someone hires you, what are they getting? That's a great question. So I think uh, one thing that really helped me was I did a TEDx talk. Um, and shout out to my mom because... She made me go to some event for free that I didn't want to do. And the woman came up to me afterwards and was like, I'd love you to do a TED Talk. And I was like, dang, mom was right. So listen to your mother's first. Um, and so that gets your name out there, right? You have uh, a reel that you can show to people. Um, my TED Talk is interesting just because I feel like it's not really my personality because I, I had to memorize uh, my talk and that's not generally who I am. And then you just start getting yourself out there in, in different ways. You know, you utilize your own personal network. And I think LinkedIn was big for me. You know, I'm, we're, we're at that age now where people are starting to work for companies who hire people to do stuff and to come in to do stuff. And then so you put it out there on LinkedIn and people start finding out about you. Um, I did some stuff with Airbnb online experiences as well, which was really helpful. Um, and then you, it's big. You just, you just talk about what you're doing. You're like, you're always sharing what you're doing with people. Um, because when you talk about your goals, they come true because people start, you know, introducing you to different people and they start, you know, saying, Oh, her story is amazing. You should ever come in and motivate your team. And then, you know, people that you work with, you have them write letters of recommendation and you have, you know, give feedback. And then you, they have, you have them introduce you to other people. Um, what they get when they, when they hire me, it depends on what you want. I'm a big fan of, again, meeting the, the customer where they are. And so I think for me, I know that people don't have a super long attention span one, right? So people will talk for 45 minutes. Most people will check out around the 20 minute mark. So for me, that sweet spot is 20 minutes of me telling my story and relating it to whatever topic that, that, you know, my client wants me to relate it to. And then 20 minutes of questions. Cause like, who's not going to want to ask an Olympic medalist questions. Right. Um, and so you get what you need with me, I think is, is the best way to answer it is, you know, does your team need motivation? Does your team need a wake up call? Does your team need, you know, a very, uh, eloquent swift kick in the behind, like, I'm not going to have people do push-ups. I mean, unless you really want me to have people do push-ups, but, um, you know, it just depends on whatever the group needs. Cause I'm all about relating my story to where you are in your life. So you can realize that whatever it is that you want to do, you can do. If you work hard enough, you ask for help and you're strategic. What people get when they book you, and what you just described to become a speaker that's making money are 
two and the same. I mean, you 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 go out, you you speak for free, you you get an opportunity, and the opportunity comes because you agreed to show places for free when you didn't want to. It gives you your TED talk. Then you say, "Crap, I have this TED talk. I'm going to monetize the hell out of this. I'm going to promote it. I'm going to talk all about it, and I'm going to have enough people see what I'm doing." I mean, Lauren, that's that's business sales 101. Work as hard as you can in the beginning. Get yep. a small victory. Tell everybody how great that victory was. People will want to come around you over and over again. Uh, you know, I think about that as as the business owners that I've come across and I work with and the salespreneurs that don't want to talk about their product or don't want to talk about the services. And I always feel people don't want to talk about their product or services because they don't know how to have the conversation where it's not about themselves. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 never it's never you know, salespeople don't have a problem of speaking. Like we can all talk. I mean, we can all give the yeah. gift to gab. The good sales professionals, the good salespreneurs, the top tier entrepreneurs, they find a way to have that same conversation, but not with the lens on focused on myself, but the lens focused on you. And mm-hmm. you know, utilizing LinkedIn and all that, that strategy's I mean, so, so impactful. What has been one of the, you know, in 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 building your speaking career, what has been one of those things where you've been like, oh. I didn't realize like, like the aha moment that you were like, Hey, I, I can make some serious coin doing this. Like, let's, let's, let's just, I can monetize this at a level. I didn't think to, uh, you know, was there, and you don't have to name the company, but was there a certain time where you're like, okay, I'm good enough to run with this? Because even though you picked up the Ted talk and Ted talks are free and all that fun stuff, there had to be some doubt along the way. Like, Hey, would somebody really hire me to do this? Like where, where, where did that moment change for you? Yeah, because I'm, I'm basically like talking about myself, right? That's I'm telling my story, and then I'm pulling out nuggets from my story to to give people takeaways. I think it hit me as uh, I was at a, and this was still when we could do things in person. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, uh, I was at a, um, a talk for a business bureau in Pismo Beach, and I was talking to a, a big you know, stadium full of people. And at the end, some people came up and we took pictures of my medal and, you know, chatted for a bit. And this, I think maybe a seven year old man came up to me and he was like, that really resonated with me. Like your story really resonated with me. And I feel so much like I feel connected and close to you. This is a 70 year old white man. And I'm looking at him and, and he, he kind of smirked when he said that because he knew where I was going. I was like, sir, you're going to have to, you know, give me a little more because like in societal terms, we couldn't be more different, right? Male, female, white, black, whatever. Uh, not saying that people are all that different, but like you can appear to be very different and have very little in common. And so he said when he retired, he wasn't sure from his from his job. He'd worked at the same company for most of his life, his most of his working life. And when he retired, he needed something to do, and he he picked up wood woodworking, like sculpting and all that kind of stuff. And he said, now he's a national champion woodworker, and he never knew that like that was his dream and his passion and something that he could invest in time in and get something out from because. That's my story, essentially, right? It's I, I quit a six-figure job to go follow a dream I never knew I had in a sport I'd never done. And so when that man was able to make the connection in his own life with my story, then I knew I had something. 
also, I think as a speaker, a lot of times we try and give everybody everything in one, in one conversation, in one talk. And really what people really need is to be reminded of the basics, right? There's so much value in the basics, the little things that people never see you do, the preparation, the thought process, the focus, um, you know, the, yeah, just the little things that you don't even think about that got you to where you are now that you stopped doing. And we, I said this earlier. Um, and so when I realized that most people aren't doing the, the basics or the little things then I knew I could have a long career because we can talk about the basics all day and we can, t- we can reinvent the basics and we can, you know, expand and expound on the basics all day long and people will still get value from it. You know, when you say the basics, I always think about what's basics to us is advanced yeah. to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 I, I can't tell you how many times I have spoken with a new sales rep or a new client or someone who's asking me for something. And, and I and I sit, I'm like, oh, boy, we're, we're really going to visit. And to me, this is so basic. But to them, it's so enlightening. And I, I know that the people who mentor or give us advice or coaches or have influence on us, I'm positive. I, if I could just ask some of my executive coaches, people manage me, Anthony, this is really your question, but it's basic to them, but you just never know. So people always, always can resonate and learn. And so don't assume our basic knowledge is invaluable information. Um, yeah. Yeah. Your, your story, your, your story is inspiring. And to hear your story resonate with someone else, it, it, it goes to show, I mean, if you have a message to share, you should share it because there's somebody who's going to be inspired by your message. And I believe everyone has the message to share. And I think a lot of people yeah. don't don't share their message um, or who want to share their message give up too soon because it's really an, an I servant mind. Like, oh, I didn't get enough views or oh, I didn't get enough people to talk to me. I didn't get enough people to hear me. It's not that. If you're truly passionate about your message, message share it people will listen people will follow. So, yeah. And it, it's funny because when I first started doing virtual stuff, sometimes I'd put it out there and I'd open up all these, you know, booking opportunities. And sometimes there'd be a group of like 50 people. Right. And if they're paying per head, it's a pretty decent day. And then sometimes it'd be one, one person. And I would talk to some, you know, speakers, other speakers that I knew that were on the same platform. And they're like, yeah, I just cancel those. I just ask them to reschedule. And I'm like, why? They're like, well, it's not worth my time. I was like, how do you decide what's worth your time? Because to me, if someone took the time to not just like set time aside in their calendar, spend their hard-earned money to hear you talk, and then you cancel on them because it's not enough people there? Mm. Like, you don't deserve their time because now they you don't know what they've moved out of their way in order to support you and hear you speak and be inspired by you. And I'm telling you, I've gotten some of my best and biggest clients from my one-on-one speaking engagements because, and it, it also gives you an opportunity to practice, be better, you know, try new things, um, you know, maybe take a different approach to it, like have, find a way to be more conversational 
learn something from somebody that you can then utilize in another space in your life. And so I think that um, as a speaker, if you're doing it just because you like to hear the sound of your own voice, I'm not judging you. I just think that if you could really look at it as being a service to others and paying it forward, you'll get a lot farther in the speaking world and in life because I speak because I've been incredibly supported my entire life. You know, I have this incredible family. I've been to some of the most amazing schools. I've had some great teammates and coaches. And because of the people around me, I've been able to do great things. And everybody should have that feeling of, I've reached a level of success and I'm proud of myself. Because I generally feel like if more people were proud of themselves and good with themselves, there'd be a lot, a lot less evil in the world, right? There, we wouldn't have to worry about who's sleeping with who and, you know, what your religion is and all that stuff. You would just, you could just live in your own world and just be proud of yourself and excited to meet people who were different from you. And so this is my way of changing the world is, you know, hopefully helping people figure out what it is they're passionate about and it, and carve out time in their day, in their week, their month, their year to focus on it so that they can be, you know, content, satisfied humans that also want to do good in the world. Off self on purpose. I, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I hate saying it because you and What's I grew up. <laughs> you I and I. JPR Lee. <laughs> You and I grew up with the same mentor. So as you're saying that, like, that is that is the exact <laughs> the exact epitome of off self on purpose. I mean, as you're saying that, you always get you always get terrified as you grow older. Like, will I become my parents? And if you had a mentor, you're like, will I become my mentor? And as you're saying that, all I could think was like, ooh, this is this is totally what we talked about. Let's just say over 10 years ago, maybe closer to 20, whatever. We're not going to age ourselves. Long time ago. You're we both have that. more hair than him, though. We still have more hair. Yeah, definitely yeah, have, more have more hair. But yeah. off self, on purpose, that's uh, <laughs> that's the that's the epitome of that. As you're sharing that story, I think of Kobe Bryant. One of, the, one of the things that Kobe Bryant had shared was that the reason he played so hard every game, it didn't matter if they were – in playoff contention or not. It didn't matter if he wasn't feeling good or not. The reason he played so hard, and, and, and I read an article where he had made the statement, and he said, there's somebody sitting in the last row that spent a lot of money to come out today to watch us play. They came out to see me play. They deserve my best effort. Yeah. And, and you know, and and if you think about it, right, I mean, I, I, I've, I remember buying tickets in my younger days to go see you know, some of these professional athletes sitting in the last row because that's all I can afford. And you're like, right. man, you're, you're absolutely right. People did put them stuff. So when it comes in the world of speaking, delivering and showing up and and and, and running your business in a virtual world, if one person shows up and that one person deserves the best version of yourself, because if you think yeah. you can show up and do it when there's 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people and you haven't done the onesies, twosies, you got, you got something else coming for you. So... I actually like the onesie twosie because those are the most, they can be challenging. Because let's say you get a one person speaking engagement, like virtual speaking engagement, or you're coaching somebody um, and they just, they have no, they have a completely flat affect. Yeah. 
right? And you have no idea if any of that stuff is landing. And I've had this experience in smaller groups because I remember I did some work with a hotel group and they had like their national conference and they just kind of rotated through groups. And I feed off the crowd, right? I like people to laugh at my jokes and I like people to like, you know, emotion. But I remember there was this one guy who was just sitting there like this the whole time, just kind of like completely stone-faced. And at the end of it, he was the first person to ask a question. He was like, I got so much out of that, you know? And that, that was another thing that I realized, like, this isn't about me. Like, I enjoy people laughing at my jokes, but like, it should be about what people are taking away from their time with me. Like, how do they feel? Like that saying is, people won't remember what you said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Like, how do they feel leaving our conversation? Do they feel better about themselves? Do they feel like, you know, I just met this Olympian and she's a genetic freak and I can never do what she can do because basically all I did was talk about how I'm, I'm extraordinary and cool. So now I just feel worse about myself. I met this incredible human. And it just reminds me all of my shortcomings. Or is it, Hey, I just met this, this woman who like, if obviously she's a de- genetic freak, but like, not everything is easy for her. And she, it took her time to figure out what she was passionate about. And along the way, she failed over and over again, but found a great support system, worked really hard and figured it out over time. Like that's valuable. Like, you know, as a speaker, I really hope, you know, people that are out there speaking are there to speak to, to help others and not just to make money. The money's great, but you know, the, what I get the most out of it is when people are like, I made some changes in my life. That's really, that's really damn cool. Like, you know. Well, I'll tell you this, Lauren, your mission, your message should be heard, needs to be heard because you are inspiring people to make change. You're inspiring people to, to give the best version of themselves and whatever they do. And, and I'm, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud that we are friends. We are best friends. We've been in each other's lives for nearly 20 years. So we'll just age ourselves here, but crazy. yeah, it's pretty old. Right. But with all honesty, I mean, to hear the level of success that you're growing in and to still want to give back, take all, take all like the, take all the awards and accolades out. Like it's, you are a messenger that you're a messenger, like you have a purpose and you're sharing it over yeah. and over again. So uh, I'm glad you're using your platform. Thank you for sharing your time on the Catapults Commission's platform. We'd love having you on the show, talking about your journey. We're wishing you luck. 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, Lauren Gibbs. We will be cheering and rooting you on. Lauren, I got a question for you. How does the Catapult Commission's family follow your journey? How do they learn more about you? What are, what are all the social media? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. I actually went viral on TikTok. Um, LA Gibbs 84 is my Instagram and TikTok. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me at Lauren Gibbs on LinkedIn. And uh, would love to speak for some companies. If you think that your company needs an injection from a 37-year-old fiery black woman who's trying to go back to the Olympics, um, and uh loves to make jokes uh yeah and uh stay safe out there everybody like be a decent human you know (laughs) absolutely lauren gibbs 
uh, Catapult the Commission's family, do me a favor. Go follow, like, get connected with Lauren. All those social media profiles are in the show notes below. If you're watching the show for the first time, be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Lauren, thank you again for joining the show. We will see you on the next one. Wish you nothing but abundant success. Catapult the Commission's family, you know what to do. Talk to you guys on the next one. See ya. catapulting commissions family that does it for today's episode if you found some value please be sure to head over to itunes and leave a five-star rating don't forget to subscribe that way you're notified of new episodes if you want to see the video portion of this podcast head over to youtube and look up catapulting commissions podcast finally if you want a free copy of catapulting commissions be sure to text the word hello to 661-228-8967 Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.